Hello and welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. Welcome to another edition of the Billion Dollar Broker. My name's Ross LeCain. Got a very special guest today, uh, Brendan Lowbridge from MoneyLinks. He's been with MoneyLinks for the last four years and uh, two years on his own. Um, comes a lot of awards in the past, Brendan. Uh, so you know, just reading down this list, it's quite impressive. So back in 2017, you were the Regional Broker of the Year at the Better Business Awards. Uh, you've had many years in the, the top 10 brokers under 30 before you obviously turned 30 and then uh, didn't qualify anymore. Yeah. And then and currently you sit uh, in the top five of uh, planned 1,600 brokers for the number of transactions that you do being in a, a regional broker. It's hard to compete with the big boys on dollars, but I'm sure you're about the top 10 there as well. So, um, no, very impressive resume. So. What I'd love to do is, you know, start with how you got started in the broking industry. Give us a bit of your story. Thanks, Ross. Great introduction. Uh, appreciate it. Blushing a bit, but um, it's a podcast, so that won't won't show up, I don't think. Uh, so, no, mate, look, appreciate it. How I got started was essentially I actually worked for a property developer. It was actually New South Wales's largest private property developer at the time. I worked for, for that group uh, for 12 months out of school and uh, that went took us right into the sort of GFC at the end of that 12 months, which is an interesting time to work uh, for a developer and, uh, and slowly all the excavation equipment and things started to leave the site and I thought it was a matter of time until the staff did and and we all sort of did one by one except, um, you know, the developer himself and his, and his son at the time. So, um, took that in my stride because I was still living at home and then sort of thought about what I wanted to do after that and, and sort of did have a passion for property. Uh, and so I was definitely uh, keen to go down that path, but I'd given up a lot of sport and different commitments to work every weekend in a sort of sales job in real estate. So I was keen to try and get back the weekends if I could. And uh, and just through doing a few different odd jobs, it's funny how things happen. I actually was um, working at a gym at the time, just picking up some, some shifts there and just basically doing uh, what I could to, uh, you know, effectively have a bit of play money for the weekend, I guess. And uh, I ran into a mortgage broker at the gym and uh, and essentially got talking and before too long had uh, sort of started a traineeship in their office, which was an office um, in Toronto at the time. They're now called Jetty Finance. And so, yeah, started working with the guys in there and actually started a uni degree in finance and economics at the same time. So it sort of all happened at once. And that's what kicked me off in our great industry. Oh, amazing. So I'm interested to know, how did that sort of passion from property be there from such a young age? So how did that come about? That's a good question. I I, I think at school, I just like to talk to people, make jokes. Um, you know, that was that type of personality, still am today. And uh, and so everyone kept saying, you'd be a great agent, you'd be a great agent, you'd be a great agent. So I just figured that, well, everyone thinks that I'm going to be a great agent, so that's what I'll do. And that's essentially how I fell into the uh, the job. I got my real estate license and then ended up, you know, working in, in property, as I mentioned. And I just sort of seen what was going on. I knew the power of, you know, there were successful people that I'd seen in my life do really well out of owning property. I'd seen the workings of the development, you know, large scale developments and, and sort of just knew that it was an industry that was, was obviously lucrative. 
and uh, and you know I guess that that's sort of what what at least started what was um, you know a bit of a career path in the industry. Yeah, love it, love it. And so so you started with the the Jetty Finance, and um, so what do you what do you remember from back in in those days? So what was the role that you started with them, and sort of where did where did that lead? So I started in a in an administration support role, like a processing role, uh, which was uh, ultimately working alongside a couple of the brokers there, and essentially helping them with all the you know the standard stuff that role would do. So essentially collecting information all the way through to submitting loans, talking to the lenders, and then obviously you know everything in between. So essentially sat in that role. I think um, probably might have been a couple of years. Uh, the you know. Obviously, the salary uh, wasn't great. It was just one of those roles where you really learnt how things work, how a home loan got put together. Uh, obviously, sitting alongside some great brokers at the time, um, some of whom are still great friends, you know, today, and uh, and you know, I still consider mentors. So I was lucky to uh, to essentially end up in a role like that, and uh, and yeah, just did a lot of the administration support. And I guess when I look back at it now, it wasn't too much of a challenge. Uh, the salary was low, but you know, I was also young and I didn't have too many overheads, so. You know, I do see that, you know, for a lot of people starting that way uh, would be challenging, but for me it was fine. Uh, you know, I made enough to have fun on the weekends with my friends and take a few girls on dates, I guess. So what more do you want? Exactly, exactly. And what a great sort of, you know, lead in and there's no wonder you were the, you know, in the top brokers under 30 because you've had a great sort of introduction. And, you know, one of the things that I speak to a lot of my clients about, including yourself, Brendan, is how we can sort of groom people through our processing team to become brokers within the business. So, and that's exactly what you've done yourself. And I know for myself, I started in the credit area of a credit union back in the day assessing um, loans. So I think it's a great um, runway to, to sort of move into broking, isn't it? I think it is definitely. Yeah, it's hard to even understand the lingo and a lot of what we do, you know, and to think to just try and pick it all up straight away and sit in front of clients confidently, um, I think is a big challenge. People do do it and do it successfully, but I'm very glad that I had the, uh, the path I, I had. Yeah, beautiful. So that was how you got started in the industry and that was sort of, um, so fast forward us and, and give a bit of an overview in terms of where your business sits and, and what, it is, what it looks like today. So we are a, um, we're a business that has eight staff in total. We've got three people, including myself, that deal with the customer-facing work. So we, uh, we essentially cover different aspects. So we've got uh, a mortgage broker that will do all the uh, stock standard um, lending for uh, like first-time buyers and you know your typical mum and dad clients. Uh, her name's Sienna, does a great job. And then we've got myself and Connor who sit in a finance strategist role where ultimately we can do that sort of stuff where it comes up, but predominantly we would focus on uh, the more in-depth strategy around a client, you know, potentially restructuring a portfolio or, uh, or you know, essentially creating wealth by buying, you know, more investments and things like that. So, and we also do commercial lending in these roles as well. So the three of us would face the customers. We've then got essentially uh, a whole bunch of great um, administration support as well, uh, starting from Peter, who's currently in our office management role. Uh, and then we've got uh, some other ladies in the uh, credit file management role, which is these processing roles we've talked about. So um, that's uh, Kerry, Jordan, Sharon, and also Tracy. 
Beautiful, beautiful. And we can talk a little bit more around the structure and sort of how that sort of workflow um, goes a little bit. But I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that you said. Um, the fact that you call yourselves finance strategists, I think, you know, it's a, it's a great term. And I see so many brokers that are so transactional that, um, you know, they need to think of more themselves as finance strategists and look at the, the big picture. So how did that term come about? That was a term between Jetty Finance and where I am today. I spent time in a in a national business at the time that was called Investor Loans Network, and that was a lot of what we did. We only really actually um, we were you know independent contractors to that business. We only really dealt with reasonably sophisticated investors that had pretty direct and and um, um, you know good idea of the goals they wanted to achieve, and we were ultimately there to help them achieve that. A lot of them were very well educated, um, you know, and we just part, played a part in obviously their uh, investment uh, journey. So we had to work on on the strategy. These people were always, in many cases, looking two and three deals ahead. They didn't just want to know if they can service a particular transaction. They wanted to know where they would be left after that and what that meant, you know, for for the future of their uh, investment journey. So we uh, we essentially just fit in that role and that's what we did and then I carried that through to what we do today uh, and I make sure that you know the team that I'm working with obviously with your help as well Ross we make sure they're educated in the same way because I want to make sure that uh, they uh, have that skill set so when they come in with us and they get trained um, they have that additional skill set over and above just being a great broker which in my opinion uh, really makes us um, you know um, a lot more um, you know a lot more secure when it comes to disruption and online lenders and things like that. I think that we've got a nice point of difference and a um, unique proposition. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And uh, sales is all about how you go about adding value to people. And, you know, I ask a lot in my sessions in terms of hands up if you want to be financially free and have choices in retirement. And, you know, 90.9% of hands all go up, right? So, and if it's something that we all want, then chances are your clients want that same sort of thing as well. So rather than just dealing with a transaction, whether it's their first home um, or, or an upgrade of a property, you take that bigger picture view where you view yourself as, as you said, two, three deals ahead and sort of have better conversations. So what are some of the you know, in your standard process that you do, what are some of those sort of questions that you ask to sort of uncover these investment opportunities? So, I mean, look, we, for the skill set knowledge we have, we can always continue to do it better. And we're definitely guilty of often not going in as deep with these conversations as we could. And we're working on that constantly. But one of the things we'd always have as a conversation with people is better understanding what their ultimate goal is and where they want to end up. Because we know first home buyers generally don't stay in their property forever. And we know that most people don't necessarily want a 30-year loan. So we'd be having conversations from the outset at the very minimum to sort of better understand, you know, when do they essentially want to, as a first goal, be debt-free? And you often find that when you talk to people about that, very few want to be working all the way through to the expiry of their loan term or even the, you know, the government's, um, you know, sort of set retirement age. So just starting those conversations makes them think, well, you know, how can I have my home paid off in my 30s or 40s? Uh, you know, how can I, you know, make X amount of wealth that will then give me a retirement, um, you know, a comfortable retirement full of choices, like you said, where they can live life on their terms. So it's it's just asking some of those questions that are a little bit deeper outside of the product 
and uh, and ultimately, you know, you start to get some great answers, like you said, because a lot of people, or well, most people, uh, want to have a certain level of financial freedom, um, and yeah, that's that's just where you get to when you start asking those questions. Definitely, and um, you know, knowing your background and knowing your passion for property, so this is something that you personally are passionate about as well um and so you invest in property yourself am i right you're correct that's exactly right and have been since around the same time i you know started in this industry about 2009 2010 so um as soon as i had the ability to get into property i uh, i made sure that i did and and you know have um have actively invested you know ever since beautiful and how important do you think you actively investing when you're having these types of conversations with clients how important do you think that is i think it's very important particularly for the clients that want to you know take that step and and own an investment property or they want to know that you know it's possible to pay your home off in a certain amount of time there's a certain level of i guess you know you can speak with um, conviction and confidence when something's worked for you and ultimately, everyone's got a different journey. Not everyone wants to own a larger portfolio or multiple properties. They might just want to own a investment structure to pay off their home loan in 12 rather than 30. So there's all different spectrums as far as what people want to achieve. But I think in, in, until you've done it, it is difficult to try and emphasize, you know, um, basically be able to have those conversations with the clients genuinely because, you know, um, as you know, Ross, you're an active investor. You know, there's issues you have. It's not all smooth. There's tenants causing problems or, you know, um, you, you might have vacancy. You might have, you know, have to go in and get your hands dirty, do a renovation. Um, you know, all sorts of things happen. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's ultimately something that you've got to, I think, experience to be able to, um, to be able to have that journey with the customers genuinely. Definitely. And um, it comes with the point, and I know we're talking about clients and, you know, you being a finance strategist and talking about their long-term strategy, but it's the same in the broking world for brokers. And it's about having that longer-term strategy in terms of, well, what niche do you want to really own and what niche do you want to be world-class at serving? And, you know, if you want to serve the property investment market, and I know myself in terms of, well, you know, I could see that the, the property investments were a great market to have because why? They transact more regularly than your standard client. You know, your standard client may transact once every four or five years where a property investor, you know, are going to transact, they might tra transact five times in that five-year period, right? So to me, it's like, okay, it's a, it makes sense to be a market that I want to be involved in. So, and it was at the, obviously, the end of my career, it was a big part of what I did, but it wouldn't have been a big part of what I did unless I'd set the strategy, right? Unless I'd set a goal that, hey, this is a, a market that I want to actually get involved and I want to be world-class at serving. So you set that goal earlier than you want to be able to do it. And obviously, you educate yourselves, you, um, you, know, you read the books, you listen to the podcasts, you uh, actively invest yourself and grow your portfolio. So come you know, a couple of years down the track, you can really be the best person and the best solution for your clients in that space. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, mine was probably just more organic because I started investing at that younger age and then, you know, you end up with investment experience by default by owning investment properties for a period of time. And so I guess, and then working in a role, as I said previously, where we were working with so many sophisticated investors that had 
very large exposures to property and self-managed super funds and commercial assets and things like that. I think it was just, um, you know, learning really um, through through the journey of, of the clients. And what we tried to do, particularly you talk about plans, the one thing we tried to refine uh, in MoneyLinks uh, when I embarked on that journey, we could see obviously the writing on the wall with APRA changing things. And, um, you know, it was very, very difficult for the larger property investors to, um, you know, essentially move forward. Um, many of them couldn't even refinance because the screws got tightened and obviously their portfolios now were being assessed at a level they couldn't service with the new the new uh, restrictions. So we tried to really condense some of that high-level information and bring that down to that mum and dad who's potentially on the fence on whether they invest or not. They're professional people with high incomes. They've got equity in their home. We really wanted to sort of simplify a lot of the knowledge that we had and really try and serve that segment of the market. So if I can say anything as far as a focus or goal, it was, you know, probably at that time and it's changing a little bit now, but it was really trying to condense the information that we had as a business and really serve those people that are in that sort of, um, I'd say, transition to uh, being an investor. And we can then obviously support them the first step as far as they really want to take it um, from there. So that was a, that was a focus given the, um, the sort of shifting in, in market conditions. Oh, exactly. And, um, and you're, you're you know, great to do that because you've invested, you've developed, you've, um, you've worked for these um, companies that have you know, perfected how to you know, do the investment property and, and strategies around finance. So you, know, you come with a great pedigree to be able to, to do that. And I guess leading on from you know, the, the property investment and the skills that you guys have in that, I think another thing in terms of, and we've worked together for a while now, is around just the energy that you and have you and your team have, and around that service proposition. So, you want to talk to me about that, and and tell me why that sort of speed to service is so important to you guys. Uh, we we just think it's a way to stand out. Believe it or not, I, I just uh, I just really think you know if I ever think about probably a referral that I've been given by anyone, be it an agent, solicitor, you know, whoever, accountant, planner, you know, often if they're unhappy with a broker and they're getting a second opinion, you know, you never really feel that, well, you never really see that someone complains about a broker because they didn't have the credit knowledge. You know, because a lot of that sort of stuff customers don't really see, in my opinion. So, and most brokers are pretty good at the sales. So, they probably can fumble their way through something, even if they may not have the exact credit knowledge. So, what you tend to find is most customer complaints that I come across, at least, are based on non, you know, non-responsiveness. So, um, you know, someone not getting back to an inquiry or a client submitting all their documents and essentially not hearing back and not knowing where it's up to. So, we just knew if we, you know, Know, set some um, internal policies around speed, around getting back to a lead as quickly as possible. 100% has to be same day, ideally would be, you know, within the hour. Um, you know, we would make sure that when anyone submits their documents, we're moving forward in 24 to 48 hours maximum, even in a busy time. And, you know, that's where in Newcastle, we've just moved into a lockdown. Um, you know, I really feel for the businesses that are suffering, but we in some ways see it as an opportunity for us because we stand out just by doing what we're doing every day and every week. We now look even better because people start to fall apart even, even worse than what they normally would. And if we can keep our normal standards, um, we we stand out. So uh, that's what we try and do. It's not really uh, anything overly flash in my opinion, but we just know if we can keep that speed, uh, customers uh, are impressed. They think uh, they think it's great service. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. And. Um... 
in terms of, you know, I've read some stats on speed to service and, you know, quite often clients will just go with the first person that responds to their lead, right? So if they've called three people or emailed three different providers or three different brokers, chances are that they will just go with the first person that responds to their inquiry and who gets onto them the quickest. And, you know, some of the things that we've um, worked on and spoken about was sort of the ability to, you know, get not only Brendan, because Brendan may be in appointments. And um, so tell us about, you know, who else in your team is able to sort of deal with that front-end lead? Yeah, so we've got we've got essentially now four of us equipped to take a brand new customer, new to business, and and we've been probably more we've critiqued that training around that customer um, experience for that first uh, first conversation, but then we've also got the whole team that can talk to an existing customer now. So essentially, um, you know basically our office manager through to the credit file managers, anyone can essentially pick up an existing customer lead that comes through straight away and start the process because in reality, the process is really just doing the qualification on that call and it's positioning them to start collecting their documents, you know. So realistically, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty easy process once you've got it, um, once you've got it there in front of you and you can follow it. We've got it there for the people that want to, you know, obviously follow that to the T for the first few few times but then it becomes a more of a natural conversation so we're equipped that essentially you know at any point in time no matter what brokers are in the appointments we should have the ability that you know um, someone can get contacted very quickly yeah love it love it and i think that's a tip for a lot of brokers out there if you haven't trained up your support people to be able to you know take a lead off the market and you know it's just a matter of training them to 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 you know, be able to take that phone call and say, look, hey, Brendan's currently in an appointment right now, but I'd love to get the process started for you. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Great. Go through the process. All right. In order to get this started, we're going to need um, a list of documentation so Brendan can provide the best solution. Or what I'll be doing is following up with an email and a, uh, a fact find, and you can complete that and get it back to me, right? So, that's as simple as it needs to be, but it's likely going to take that customer off the market and um, you're going to be able to sort of start your process. And by the time you actually speak to them, Brendan, you're going to be able to add them a lot more value. Yeah. Love it. And one thing I'll add on there, Ross, because you did help us a lot with that, and it was and it was big. You know, like I thought that you know I was best positioned to have all those conversations, but what I actually found was, um, you know, by someone else jumping on the phone and saying, you know, Brendan's busy with clients at the moment, but we didn't want you to wait. We want to make sure that you get service straight away. It actually really made the client enjoy that experience, and I think feel like they were very look, well looked after that they didn't have to wait. So, in, in actual fact, I found that conversions are equally as good as what they would have otherwise been and, uh, and the customer feels like they're really being looked after because it's getting actioned uh, even when I might not be available. Yeah, love that, love that. So in terms of one of the things that you mentioned there was around referral partners and knowing your business, this is a strength of yours, um, that you get a lot of business from referral partners and, and these things don't just happen. So what are some of the strategies that you use to develop these partnerships? 
Um, I think time, as much as, uh, you know, that's just one that happens over time. But, I mean, you know, you you do strengthen relationships over time and delivering for people. Um, you know, all the sort of basic stuff, like keeping them updated, keeping them informed, particularly agents. You know, agents, um, you know, often just want to know where something's up to and the likelihood of something going ahead. And if you can get everyone on board, the client, the agent, and, uh, and obviously us from the start, um, you know, they can really get a lot of value out of that process. Um, so ultimately, I think it's just being open and transparent. And, and once again, it's that it's that speed to uh, the customer that we talked about. You know, if someone gives you a referral, acknowledging them that the person's going to be contacted within the next hour, um, even as a referrer, that that um, that blows them away. Uh, we make sure everyone gets thanked on settlement for any referral that we get. And uh, we've got different ways of doing that. It does vary um, depending on the person and the, and the referral they gave us. But, you know, you uh, reward the behaviour you want to continue. So, you know, if someone gives you a great referral, you make sure you reward them for what they've done and uh, and look after them for that. So we uh, there's nothing really groundbreaking, I think, that I really can share. But we uh, we just try and make sure we look after the people that look after us. Um, and, um, and yeah, we, uh, we, we try and keep people in the loop along the way. Now, you're not saying you're saying it's not groundbreaking, but a lot of people don't do it, right? It's the basics. It's the basics. It's the communication. It's the speed to contact. It's keeping them involved in the loop. It's the saying thank yous that are the the basics. And it's like a sporting team, right? The All Blacks are the best rugby team because they do the basics really, really well. And consistency with the basics is uh, what will give you those referral partner relationships. And, uh, you know, there's no wonder you guys do it and you do it really, really well. So the other things um, that we wanted to sort of touch on today was, um, you know, just around, you know, talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of the advice that you get, some of the sort of the mentoring, the coaching and some of the, practices that you put into your you know your daily um activities because you know similar to the the basics we do with the investors you know being you know one of the top brokers in the country comes down to some daily disciplines as well so you want to just talk on that for us a little bit yeah so i've been sort of doing this for quite a few years i'm accountable to my day um uh, essentially every day I've got to sort of send this in, but essentially I've got an ideal day, which you probably can't see it very well there, but I actually still do it written because I prefer to write things on this. Everything else is computerised, but I like to write this one out. And um, essentially broken down, it's just every every part of the day in half an hour increments, um, your sort of top goals for the day. Um, I put in what we call tense, which is basically to make your day enjoyable. So whether that's, um, you know, a cup of coffee, training at the gym, um, you know, cuddling your wife or your son uh, whatever that might be for you I put those in there so you make sure you even a shit day can be good if you have those in there consistently but from a productivity point of view it's uh, it's just about being accountable um, I try and do this the night before at the very least it'll be before I start the day and I, uh, I make sure that I know exactly what I'm looking to achieve and I'm accountable to it and I've got to send it in at the end of the day so it's um it just means that I know what I'm going to do and uh, I stick to it and not every day goes perfect, but you, you try your best. And, uh, and one of the things I think in there as well is, uh, is I try and make sure there's always time for prospecting. So I think that's important, uh, whether it's, um, you know, face to face with referral partners, um, any sort of you know, networking opportunity, or even just, you know, and a lot of time of, of an hour just to contact people in our database, contact people who have referred us, um, Things like that, effectively, that you just block out that hour for, so that you know that you know you're uh, you're continually planting seeds for two and three months down the track. 
Beautiful. I love that in terms of really being deliberate and setting the intentions, you know, even to the, the things. And I know, you know, in my business in terms of it's easy to become, you know, a victim of your success and sort of your your phone and people will want, um, you know, will want you and want a piece of you and your phone will ring. And so to have the discipline to really focus on those things that you really want and those things that are going to give you the feelings that you want, as you said, like whether it be a cup of coffee, going to the gym or really making them important, right? Because if you're um, showing up and you're happy and there's no wonder you've got the high energy that you've got and, you know, that reflects and goes down into your in terms of your whole team, right? as well as then having the the things that you want to achieve in the day. So I love that. I love that. Yeah, it works well. Right. Beautiful. And then the um, from a, a mentorship and one of the things, to, you know, speaking bef- before the call, um, we were talking about this. So do you want to just sort of share some of the things um, around what you mentioned to me around sort of mentorship and so forth because I think that's important to, to share as well. Yeah, definitely, Ross. Um, so one thing I found in our industry, being having been a young person and being involved in the industry for quite a while, I noticed that there was a real lack of um, great, I suppose you'd say, uh, coaches. You could find mentors because, you know, you, you could obviously, and I'll talk a little bit about that, but there was not really the proper sophisticated coaching like you've created and so what I found myself always doing was gravitating towards the different real estate coaches so there's you know some great people in the real estate industry Tom Panos was one I'd go to his events and um, there was a certain level of you know information you could get out of there particularly around prospecting but I still felt that um, they just did not really fully understand our um, our industry. So um, I tried to you know continually upskill myself and align myself with people. The ideal day uh, comes from a coach that I use. Uh, his name is Dr. Fred, who's fantastic, who helps on a holistic um, you know life, business, and and everything in between. Uh, and then obviously you know a, a, a huge. Um, Huge one for us, obviously. Ross was being introduced to yourself, and uh, and making that connection, and, and you know, jumping into one-on-one coaching with you was massive because I felt that you know, for the first time, I could actually you know deal with someone that had been at the level we were, and obviously far, far past that. So, um, you know, being able to have your guidance has been massive as well. So, I've always made sure that there's been a, a you know a level of financial and time investment um, into you know catching up with with both mentors that might be a bit more informal where you might have a, you know, monthly lunch with someone that you look up to and aspire and is doing what you're doing. And, you know, you can sort of do those on an informal basis and take things away and model those people and and grow as a result. And then obviously, you know, on a formalised basis, um, you know, between yourself, other coaches I've worked with, and and we look to do team training um, as much as possible as well. So we we really put a high emphasis on that. And, uh, and I think that, you know the um, the returns um, have been well and truly worth worth the investment. Love it, love it, and I love that you get your team involved and um, and do the training as well. And we often speak about you know how important that is in terms of you know having that professional team. And again, similar to what we said around the basics, if um, the reason that professional sports teams the way they are is because they train more than they play. Right. And so if we can get that mentality within our business as well, 
um, then then that's great. We, we train them up and obviously they're going to perform at a lot higher level and, you know, they're the ones that are face-to-face with our, our clients, right? So we've got to treat our staff like our best clients because they're the ones that are going to deal with them. So I, I love that as well. In terms of, I know from my perspective, I'm interested in to chat with you about it, but, you know, before becoming a property investor and um, I think property investment really helped my business because you view the expenses that you um, spend and similar to, you know, men- mentoring and, and coaching and um, other sorts of costs in your business, you start to view it differently, right? You view it as an investment because you can see what the, what the risk and what the return will be. Right. But probably before I became an investor, I would probably look and even onboarding and investing in staff and things like that, I would probably see them more of a cost and there was a bit of a fear around it. Right. Then when you start putting the investor hat on and you start thinking of the return of that investment, it shifts things. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I think um, analytically, Ross, you're obviously great and you've probably got a slightly better attention to detail than me, I think, from the time we've spent together. So I can see what you're saying there. But I think it definitely applies. Like I um, I think that after, you know, investing and you see your portfolio grow over time, uh, which is obviously very powerful as well. And I definitely see the business the same way. So if we spend some money on a referral uh, gift and we really look after a referrer that's done done you know done well by us. Uh, I don't really see that as a you know as a expense if you will as you mentioned before and it doesn't hurt me to go and spend you know uh, the money we do every month on on gifts or you know if we've got a great client that wants us to uh, essentially sponsor his you know sailing boat we'll do that without question because you know we see that as once again a value add to them and they've been a value add to us so I don't get caught up on any one expense and uh, and analyze it to the point where I'm worried about getting an immediate return because I see it as a long-term um, there's a long-term value play with it and uh, and definitely, I think you look at it, um, you know, as as like you said, the uh, the risk versus return. Uh, you know, we don't uh, we don't just go and blow money anywhere. But at the same time, if it makes sense, we're not going to hold back. And uh, and that goes with coaching as well. So you know, a decent part of of uh, you know, well, you know, we do have a, a reasonable coaching expense across three different people that help us with our business. But uh, we think that we've got. You know, extraordinary amounts of value out of them, and uh, and so you know we we don't you know, begrudge that at all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I know myself, even coming into the my coaching business, I I invested in a number of different coaches and spent quite a bit. But the way that I viewed a, a coaching business and a broking business is a bit the same. You know, whilst we're not selling um, a product, we're selling our you know, we are the product, right? So we have to invest in ourselves because the knowledge that we're providing is the thing that adds value, the things that creates the sale, right? So if we're not investing and putting things into ourselves and into our team, then we can't give it away to others, right? So that's the way I sort of view it. And I had that sort of chat with my accountant. It's like, you know, no, I don't have to go and fit out an Aussie store, but I have to fit myself out so I can ensure that I'm giving the the best information and the latest sort of information and tactics to the people who I'm serving, which is 
you know, ultimately going to to grow my business. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with you. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Brendan, just in wrapping up, um, I always ask this question in terms of for a new person um, that wants to sort of get into the broking industry and quickly scale their business, what's one, what's your number one tip that you would give to them? Mentor and coach, we've talked about it before, but if I think if I could go back, um, you know, to 2009 or call it 2011 after I'd done my couple of years as a, uh, as a you know, in a processing role and then, you know, here's a phone, here's a laptop, go and, um, you know, do your best and whatever you earn will pay you a split of it type thing, um, you know, that that's a daunting place to be. But the reality is, um, you know, you know, there's a science to achievement. Tony Robbins talks about it. You know, essentially, people have done it before. It's, you know, there is a exact step that you can take. And more often than not, when you model someone that's done it before, you will be successful. Uh, you know, there's often not many things that haven't been tried and tested. So if you can leverage off that, and like we talked about, make it an expense in your business plan from the start, that you're going to have someone like yourself, Ross, uh, if you don't have that money to invest, you might even just pick a, a broker. You'd be so surprised how uh, how forthcoming excellent brokers are. I remember being uh, in my uh, very early 20s and I'd see guys win awards like Justin Dubov. I'd just go up and have a beer with them and just shake their hands and get to know them. And nearly all these guys are happy to invite you into their office and spend a bit of time with you. So, you know, just introducing yourself to those people and, and you know, shouting them a lunch, you know, doing what you can to get in front of people like that, that you're then able to model uh, and then, you know, get to the point where you can engage a coach on a formal basis and, and, and take in as much as you can and apply as much as you can so you can get leaps, um, quantum leaps as far as your growth. Beautiful, beautiful. And I didn't pay Brendan to say that, so uh, I was totally unsolicited. So uh, awesome. And, you know, Sam Walker, who I had on the podcast uh, last week, was exactly the same. He started in at a conference, he pulled me aside and we had a beer and I gave him my knowledge and uh, and probably spent an hour, an hour and a half with him. And, um, yeah, so and I was more than happy to, right? So if you show you've got that energy and and willingness to learn, I agree, uh, people are going to give and, and support. So thanks, Brendan. It's uh, been a great conversation, loads of value for for all the listeners out there today. So um, like Brendan, if you do want um, some more information about, you know, coaching or working with us, um, please uh, connect with us. We've got a couple of ways you can connect with us. We've got a private Facebook group on Facebook called The Billion Dollar Broker. So ask to join that. Um, You can message me on LinkedIn or Instagram, and uh, I'd love to to have a chat with you. So uh, please subscribe to the podcast, and uh, I look forward to serving you in the future. Fantastic. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, Ross. See you, mate.